Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I am your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is your light and salvation, and he makes you a light for the nations that his salvation may reach the ends of the earth. This light shines on us today as we begin to study the book of Philippians. Paul begins his epistle with thanksgiving and a prayer for the church in Philippi, which makes me realize maybe we should be giving thanks and praying for our own church because of the partnership we have in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the same thanksgiving for us today as we proclaim the grace and peace of our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks this morning to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word today, we have the special honor to have with us Pastor John Schmicke of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in North St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Schmicke, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Finner. Now, Pastor, you have been connected. You've been in St. Louis for how long? How long have you been at Bethlehem Lutheran Church? Well, I've been here since 1989. Um, all those years, uh, including the years when when Pastor Brady Finnern was seminarian <laughs> Brady Finnern and his, his wife Amy. And you know what? I need to just throw like a side story here. And, and that is, um, if you don't know it, uh, KFUO land, uh, Pastor Finner and Amy, they are like fitness experts. And um, <laughs> some of you remember from a number of years ago when I was last on the Bible on the Bible study program, which prece- preceded Thy Strong Word, I officiate basketball and I pulled something in the back of my leg and my calf and that. And so that's back when uh, Pastor Finner and, and his wife Amy were here. And I went to them and I said, so I guess I'm getting older. I need to I need to stretch it out at the beginning because I was never a stretcher, and uh, I still remember right outside my office door, up on the third level, there they are having me stand on the edge of what do you call that? Stand on the edge of the with your toes on the edge of the step and trying to sure. pull yourself up and then cross your legs. What's the technical <laughs> term on that? I don't. I can't remember. I haven't done that for a long time. Stretching better. I'll say that better is stretching. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is a memory that I don't remember. So obviously, um, have you had a pulled, uh, pulled muscle ever since? Uh, probably, probably so, but you know, I, at least I am stretching it now. So it, it was great medicine, a great therapy. Oh, wonderful. That's a great, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, this is a, a special honor, as Pastor Schmicky said. I was a seminarian at, at his congregation in, in Bethlehem in North St. Louis, a very historical church. Uh, uh, can you tell us some history and some of the work of the saints at Bethlehem Lutheran Church even today? Sure. Um, you know, Bethlehem has been around for Oh, it started in 1849, so a long, long time. And um, in these days, Bethlehem is a really uh, missional place. Uh, takes the gospel of Jesus Christ to, into so many ways, and especially pre-COVID, um, we we do street ministry. We have a big ministry to children and youth. And on a Sunday morning, 
oh, probably 75% normal, you know, pre-COVID, 75% of everybody here would be 45 and under. So I'm like one of the older guys uh, <laughs> at 58. But um, life changed in COVID like it has for everyone. But uh, things opened the door, uh, God opened the door in COVID too, that our online ministry has changed a lot. And so in our online ministry, we were able to um, really update uh, and begin a video ministry that has been not only uh, upgrading worship. Uh, before that, worship was just sort of, we'll, we'll uh, film things with an iPad and the quality wasn't very good. And today, things are different and there's other ministries that have sprouted out of it. And um, I, you know, when we when we're doing Bible study today, um, we have we have more small groups, small group Bible studies today on Zoom than we ever had before, even before mm. COVID came. So a lot of great blessings. And our ministry has expanded across the country, too. Last Tuesday night, among about 10, 11, 12 men um, on our men's ministry Bible study on Tuesday night, we were in five states. Wow. We were in five states. Yeah. So a lot of neat things are happening. And, and um, you know, it's uncomfortable. Wish that we were back to, we, we have in-person worship, wish the entire Bethlehem family was back, but they're not yet. And, um, you know, we'll thank God for what we have right now at this moment. Well, and this goes with our text today, because he speaks about giving thanks because of the advancement of the gospel. And and obviously that's what we do here at KFUO, but also what you do in your local congregation is that it's not always so local anymore. You can go around the yeah. world, and what a blessing that is. Uh, even though, like you said, it's kind of yeah. uncomfortable at times, but yet it is truly a blessing. So, Pastor, yeah. let's get let's get into it. We know why we're here. We're here to study the book of Philippians. Can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings upon our study? Sure. Open our hearts, open our minds to what you will say to us through your word today, God. Let your spirit come into our hearts and and um, bring the message that you have tailor-made for each of us listening today. Point us to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a new book, and there's always a lot of things that we could unpack before we get to this. We just finished Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 6, you know, the um, the famous passage of, of him talking about the armor of God and all of these things, and yeah. you get to Philippians, and it obviously has a different tone to it, it has a different, it's a different place. How would you uh, give us some background or uh, contextual things to start us off on the right foot on Philippians? Well, Paul is Paul is in prison. Um, most people believe in Rome, as he writes. Um, and so he's in an uncomfortable situation, and yet he's able to just bring forth so much joy that, um, you know, a big theme in, that, that I think you see in this book is joy, and joy that's not dictated by circumstances, but joy that is in Christ, even despite the circumstances that you're in. And I think as we as we're going to launch into this chapter, I mean, there's so many great, so many great uh, 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 words from God in this book. I mean, you're you're going to come through them as you go through these weeks. Sometimes one of the things I like to do, and especially when you're in smaller uh, books like this, is just think about all of the passages that Bible passages that many people have learned even by memory. And, you know, Philippians is full of them. Philippians mm. is full of 
you know, I can handle all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, in the fourth chapter, how I find contentment in Christ. And Paul talks about that. We're going to hit one of them today in chapter one. Uh, I'm confident of this very thing that God who began this good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Christ. And mm. and then in, in chapter two, um, a, a scripture that's going to come up, you know, in most places on Palm Sunday, talking about, you know, Christ who existed in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, you know, the whole message of the passion of Christ. And, you know, as that passage, you know, continues, took the form of a servant you know, enabled or, or went to the cross for us. And then at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And, and then, you know, chapter three is, I think, one of the greatest chapters of the entire Bible. You know, you're going to hit passages there. You know, I count all things to be lost, Paul says, in view of the surpassing knowledge, value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And, you know, we could go on and on. So, this is going to be a book that you're going to come to and you're going to say, oh, this feels, this feels, I feel so at home in it, you know, in my faith in Christ. And, you know, I, I think a companion thought to that is that this is an intimate book. This is an intimate book. Hmm. It's an intimate book in the sense that you have, you have this man, Paul, um, who has meant much to the Philippian Christians and the Philippian Christians have, and, the, and their sort of pastor, Epaphroditus, you know, he's meant much to Paul too. And so there are, there are so many, um, there, there's so much, so much closeness. In fact, if we can go when, whenever you're ready, we can go right into that in, in chapter one. And I think mm -hmm. that's a great place to, to see where it breathes. Well, Ready that's to go a great, chapter one? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you want to get going is what you're saying. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's I, do it. So real rich stuff. It, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I love the overview. Thank you for that. And there's so many passages that we do remember. So let's get into it so we can remember them even better. So let's do verses one and two. Open up our Bibles for the gifts are ready. And reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from uh, uh, the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop there just because this is something that sets the tone, if you will. We've been going through some of the epistles, and it sets the tone just for us to look at the riches that are about to come. Do you have any thoughts or anything to say in the first two verses? I, I think, you know, that you hit it right there. Is it sets a tone that there's a relationship um, that Paul has with these Christians and intimacy, and it's going to grow now. In fact, as we move on into verse 3, um, the section of really sort of verses 3 through 8, if we can come there, what I find here is that, and it's such an important message um, you know, for us even today in the church, Paul gives us an example of how God works mightily as we go through life together as the followers of Christ. You know, there's a greatness about being God's people, the church. You know, sometimes people bash the church. You know, I can be a Christian. I don't have to go to church or I don't have to be connected. Well, you know, there, there's, some, there's some things that we would, 
you know, say, well, wait a minute, you know, what about uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, not forsaking the assembly where we can be encouraged? But I kind of see this here that, you know, living outside of other Christ followers in your life, you're really missing out. Hmm. You're missing out. And, And, well, let's dig in. Yeah, absolutely. And and so he's addressing the church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's ready to preach. It's much like when we start our sermons. We are ready to preach. And he's ready to give the words that they need. Different epistles will say different things. But this one he yeah. begins with thanksgiving. And and that's yeah. important because he doesn't always do that as we experience in the others. So let's read. Uh, I'll read verses 3 through 6 and we'll unpack this. Okay. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you're all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you would bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. One thing that strikes me here, and I want to start here and, and get your thoughts, is that he begins with thanksgiving. For example, in Galatians, he says basically right away, I am astonished <laughs> at you yeah. that you are, that so quickly yeah. have walked away from the faith, really. But here he says, I thank you. Unpack that for us. What? Why is he giving thanks? Well, he's, he's thankful. You're exactly right. He's thankful as he's talking to the Philippians. I'm thankful for you, Philippians. I'm thankful for the relationship that we have. I'm thankful that I'm, I'm not, you know, remember, he's, He's in chains, especially at that moment. He says, I'm thankful that I'm not alone in this. I I find it interesting that, you know, as you go through the verses here, almost every verse at the beginning here, he gets at at that. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always offering prayer, my every prayer for you all. And in view of your participation or fellowship in the gospel that's us together and and then even beyond that verse seven about you all i have you in my heart and verse Mm -hmm. eight i long for you all and i'm i'm glad that i'm tied together in christ it's great Mm -hmm. to be the church it's great to have people praying for us you know for me I have hated this COVID. Well, everybody's hated this COVID. I, that's kind of a dumb <laughs> statement. You know, everybody's hated it. But, but here's what I hate the most about it. And I've told our church this many times. So we have we have about a third of our people who are gathered on Sunday morning in person. Two-thirds of them we haven't seen back. But they're watching. We know they're watching virtually. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's one really bad thing, especially when, when I'm preaching, is one really bad thing about virtual worship. You can see me, but I can't see you. Right. I miss you. That's what I miss in this time. I miss seeing, you know, I miss seeing, you know, your your face, you know, when when God hits you with, you know, his law and and you know, indicts you like he indicts me. I, I miss you in those moments when, you know, when we speak about the great news we have in Christ and how God, is, for Christ's sake, is willing to forgive us over and over and over again, and your your eyes light up with hope, like mm. there's another there's another chance for me, 
I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you at the Lord's table. I miss you. And what a great thing it is, though, to be tied, tied together. You know, and, and you know, Paul, that's what he's seeing here. I give thanks. Like you were saying, he's giving thanks because, man, it's great to have somebody, especially when you're going through something that, you know, from a worldly perspective, like being in chains is really uncomfortable. And you don't know how it's going to end up. And this is this is really important for us to remember, like you said, during COVID, is that he says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Clearly, he's writing this almost, I never thought about this. He's saying joy, but there's also some grief there because I'm not with you. That I, I yeah. boy, I have these fond memories, and but this is not a current um, reality of the joy that he has. And what a joy it is to know he's praying for them. And obviously, they'd be praying for him as well. But there is that reality of in the church, you're able to get a feel for where people's joys are. You get a feel for where people's pains are and a feel for, yeah. you know, we're in this together. And so I guess I never thought about that. I always thought, you know, and it is Philippines is about joy, as you said already. But here there is that kind of that still that separation of the joy of what's been. But, you know, what's the next going to be? We don't know. But in verse six, he says, I know that this will come to completion in Jesus Christ. I mean, the day of Jesus Christ It's going to come. Yeah. But yet it's still not. Yeah, there's a confidence, but there is a little bit of grief. Any thoughts on that? It's kind of interesting to me. Well, you know, when he, you know, it's it's grief, but it's grace. It's grief, but it's love. Because remember Mm. what the Philippian church does. The Philippian church sends Epaphroditus. Right. You know, to Paul. And, And even in the, I think you're right about the grief. Even in the grief, even in the discomfort, you know, when, when we feel kind of in that grief when we're grieving or, or saying, I wish things were different, the enemy comes and he tries to blow that really up. And here comes Epaphroditus, you know, with, with even a gift, you know, to say, and, and an encouragement. And Paul says, you know, God is the one who sends Epaphroditus. And God says, or Paul says, God and his people haven't forgotten me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, another thing is, who's talking here? It's Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, probably the most well-known, the greatest preacher, maybe the greatest Christian of all time, if he says, oh, man, <laughs> I can't go through it. It's, it's My life is not as good going through it on its own. It's better when I have you, Philippian Christian, walking with me. It's better mm-hmm. that we're in our life encouraging one another. If Paul is saying that, man, I mean, then for sure for me. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's so true. That is so true. You don't want to be, if Paul couldn't stand to be a lone ranger, then why do we think I might have a chance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another thing in this is in the relationship, you know, like, like in verse five, in view of your my 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 version says participation in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just a good friendship. Right. This is this is tied and bound together through Christ. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's deeper. That's deeper because I can keep on loving you even when I don't like you. <laughs> if it's <through> Christ. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, you know, we, haven't we pulled the covers off already that in every church we love each other, but we don't always like each other. 
right. at every moment. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I coach track up here at the high school, the public high school. And one of my, one of my most common lines that I'll use, and this relates to the church, but you're able to add more theology into it, I suppose, more, more Christ language is like, listen, we as a, a track team, I coach Chapo and Discus, I say, we as throwers, um, you're all not going to like each other. You know, you might not like me as your coach, but the reality is that we're here to respect each other as teammates because that's how we're bound together in this place. And, and obviously, as Christians, I think it's good for us to be able to say that. Like, you know, you might not all like each other. You won't have the same interests. You might not have the same personalities. You might not complement each other very well. But here he doesn't say that. I, he doesn't say because of our like-mindedness um, and, and friendship that, but no, it says partnership or participation in the gospel is what united them. And that's an important thing for us to remember as we, as Colossians says, bearing with one another because of Christ. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, any can other thoughts? Richard, can you take verse seven? Because there's a last phrase in verse seven. It's going to get even richer. Okay. All right. Let's, let's just do verse seven for now. Um, let's see here. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So tell us about the riches that you see there. You all are partakers of grace with me. Hmm. That is deep. First of all, it's Paul, this great man. I mean, that all of us would say, wow, he's, he's big. He needs grace. Yep. He says, I need grace. Same Paul who remember elsewhere says, you know, I'm the worst sinner of all. You know, he says, I need grace. I need grace every day. We partake of grace. At the end of the day, we all bow before God. And we have this God who doesn't give up on us. Grace. A God who loves us to send his son for us, even though he knows us. He knows everything about us, the good, the bad, the ugly. And especially in spite of the bad and the ugly, he still loves us. Grace. And he's faithful to his word. Grace. Even when it's difficult and hard, grace. Paul says, you know, we, even as I'm in an uncomfortable situation with these chains, I can make it because there's this grace that God keeps pouring into me. I'm somebody, even though this world has put me down as, as you know, someone who isn't that great. And he says here, uh, and, that's, and then unpacks this part where it says um, that you are all partakers with me of grace. And then he affirms that, that what do we need? Grace at all times, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. That whether you're in prison or whether you are freely preaching in the congregations or you're going to Ephesus or Thessalonica or Berea or Athens and all these places, both of which, what do we need? Grace. You know, the yeah. tagline, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what yeah. we have at all times. Can can you unpack grace a little bit for us? I mean, you think about how that works in the church or how you've seen that unpack and uh, um, reveal itself at Bethlehem and in your ministry. Well, when we think about grace, you know, grace is you know, the, the essence of the grace is the is the is the sending that God does of Jesus so that Jesus can pay for our sins so that we can be right again with God. Every mm-hmm. day we mess up when we go wrong. 
I love that Bible passage that you know says at the end of Second Corinthians five, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we can continually be right with God. And that that gracious rightness where He claims us as right because Christ is taking care of all of our wrong, taking it all away, that refreshes us every day. That gives us hope, you know, after stupid things that we've said and and selfish ways in which we've hurt other people. That gives us hope that we can keep going. Paul says that's the partnership that we have, um, Philippian Christians. You know, you and I were one one in that. You know, there's another level in which, you know, we see this too, as far as this this partnership. So Paul, as a kind of an itinerant preacher, and then Philippians as a, you know, the Philippian church as a congregational church, you've got congregations, you know, so two ministries that are working together, as it were, even though, I mean, Paul's, Paul doesn't have a congregation, but you get two ministries that are working together. We're better in Christ's mission. We can do more. We're more effective when we're working with each other and supporting each other, you know, in gifts, in encouragement. I love it when people send, you know, uh, uh, cards and notes or emails to me and, and just say, you know what, Th- this this ministry or this message, you know, was was so meaningful to me. I love it. You know what I look for on Sunday mornings when we're when we're virtual, you know, uh, one of the first things I do after church gets over, I go back and I get on the computer. I'm not on Facebook uh, with, a, I don't, with a regular account, but on Facebook, I'm able to get on. First thing I look at, I look in the right-hand column at the comments. Mm. I love to be encouraged. You know, people put their, what do they call those, icons or emojis or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. when they're mm-hmm. clapping praise hands or I don't know what it, whatever it is. But, you know, those those encourage me because not, not about me, but they encourage me to say, boom, Holy Spirit, bullseye, hit the spot. You know, when people repeat back, you know, what things were, boom, Holy Spirit, he hit the spot, he hit the spot. People are being strengthened, and that's what I rejoice in. And that's something where it says, because I hold you in my heart, it goes beyond just some kind of warm memories that you have, but it has to do with the encouragement. It has the encouragement of this grace that God has given, and if we are able to say, well, and you know how it is at Bethlehem, you know, you say the right thing during a sermon, which is the gospel, you're going to hear an yeah. amen, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a reminder for us of that passion, encouragement. That passion and that encouragement and that love, you know, that Paul and the Philippians have. In, in verse 7, like you just said, I have you in my heart. That kind of says, right now I have you in my heart, and, and past tense I have you in my heart, you know. And then as you walk into verse 8, he says, for God is my witness, how I long for you all. So mm-hmm. that's moving forward. You know, I can't wait that we can be back together. Now, you know what, if you're in James, how do you long for someone? Because you don't know if you're going to ever see them again, right? Right, right. And so the longing could be temporal. The longing could be heavenly eternal. But the longing is there because of people, you know, that, that you know in Christ and you care about. 
Well, right now we need to take our break. We are studying Philippians chapter 1 with Pastor John Schmicke, and we will be right back. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org And welcome back. We are studying Philippians chapter 1, starting off on the right foot, unpacking what it means to know that we have the grace of Christ and what that means that we yearn and we long to be together as God's people. So as we do this, we're doing with Pastor Schmicke of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri, and we are just about to move forward. And let's do this. Verses 8 through 11 gives us some even more rich language about longing to be together. Why? Because of the righteousness that comes to us through Christ. So let's read verses 8 through 11. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the days of Christ. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So wonderful, more rich language that we have here. Where do you want to start here, Pastor? I look up at verse 9. So what's the prayer that Paul prays for him? What's the prayer that Paul prays for him? I'm passing it back to you. Oh, you are? Okay, here we go. See, I, I'm just waiting for the next, the next cue, that your love may abound more and more. Yeah. So he prays, if, if I'm looking at that in verse, verse 9, he prays that we who are living together in Christ, he prays that the Philippians will keep growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in particular, he says, I, I pray that your love may abound still more in real knowledge, knowing more about him, the Lord, mm. and in all discernment. I pray that you keep growing. I think that's mm. a really important concept for relationships. So, you know, in the first, first eight verses, he celebrated the relationship. You know, one thing we missed in, in the relationship uh, this is just kind of a little happening that, you know, happens at Bethel Muslim Church because your oldest daughter was baptized at our, our church when you were at the Sound. Yep. And that is, um, you know, at our church, it's just it just happens when someone gets baptized in our church after we finished and said, you know, the, the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Before people walk away from the baptismal font, everybody in the church claps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They do that. They celebrate. They celebrate because they celebrate, you know, the 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 life that God has given, and now the new life of this additional, or rather, the additional life that God has given the body now 
to encourage one another to stay strong in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So here in verse 9, he says, I pray that your love may abound and would, would, would grow. Every relationship that's going to be lasting needs to keep growing. You, know, you think about that in a marriage. Um, how long have you been married now? Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is this is going to be a test here. Um, we were married in two thousand and three. <laughs> oh, so, right. <laughs> that's right. Seventeen, seventeen and a half years, boss. Seventeen and a half. Are you? Are you, is is your uh, is your marriage the same place today that it was back then? Well, thankfully not. As far as uh, uh, there's a lot more we know of each other, and a lot more there's things that have been revealed, and there's things you learn about each other every single day that you didn't realize was there before, which obviously grows in knowledge and and depth of that love. Yeah, absolutely. I was at Lutheran Lutheran High School North on Monday, um, last Monday rather, uh, today's Monday, last Monday. That is, <laughs> I, I was doing their chapel. And um, in the course of the message I was speaking about, I was using an illustration. I was talking about my wife and I. And, and so we in June will be ma- married 38 years. And mm. here's the question I asked everybody there. I said, so do you think my wife loves me more today or loved me more back when we got married on June 25th, 1983? And it was interesting because half the hands went up about Oh, she loves you more today. Half the hands went up. She loved you more back then. <laughs> well, you know, I could understand she loves you more back then because, you know, you were about 50 pounds lighter and you looked better. Right. Right. I did look better back then. I had more hair. It's starting to leave now. Mm. But, you know, the, the answer, the correct answer was she loves me more today. Because although sometimes we think in marriage, in the relationship of marriage, that, oh, you walk up the aisle kind of knowing each other and you walk back down the aisle after you're married and oh, now you know each other. You are married. You're one. And you know, that's right. a big lie. <laughs> God <laughs> made you one, right? God made you one. But mm. the, 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 like you said, the knowing of each other. And, and the point is this. So my wife loves me more today than 38 years ago because Today, she knows everything about me. Right. And yet she still right. chooses to love me. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's the thing. That is the thing about God is, you know, he loves us even though he knows us. Mm, and so mm-hmm. coming back to what, what Paul's saying here is that relationships need to grow. And, you know, we need to keep growing in our relationship with God in Christ. And we need to grow. When there are two, two, when there are Christians who are working together and in the same family partnership, we need to keep growing. We need mm-hmm. to keep growing. And he lays out even what those things are. He, he says, keep growing in love and keep growing in knowledge. Keep growing in, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't stop because confirmation ended and you were confirmed. And, well, you don't need to go to Bible class because you know it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know, you need to keep growing. He says it right here. And then he says, I love this. He says, you need to grow in discernment. You see that there? And then in verse 10, he kind of uh, 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 focuses in that discernment more when he says, approve the things that are excellent. I think of kind of a sorting out, sorting out 
that my growth in Christ helps me learn how to sort out life. The Holy Spirit works to help me sort out life. You know, that when I see things in contemporary life and I say, whoa, wait a minute, everybody in the world saying that's right. But God's telling me, no, that's, that's not right. And that sorting out, that discernment is a, is a hard thing of, of mm. how, like you, you're saying in your introduction to the program today, how we bring God's light to the matters of life for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's big. That's big. Think about how that affects our witness. I'm thinking about like over in, in, in Colossians chapter four, Colossians chapter four, when, when um, Paul writes this, he says, he says, I'm praying at the same, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word of God so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I've also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak it. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. So he's going to get ready in the verses that come up following to say, hey, what's the target? What's the mission? To proclaim Christ. And that's what, you know, Paul and the Philippians are all about in their life. It takes wisdom today to think Mm -hmm. about not just what we say, but how we say it. And you know, then, then in verse 11, when, when you're talking about the fruit of righteousness, yeah. sometimes the way I live arrives in somebody's eye way before what they hear from my mouth. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. And this is very, very, it's very important. It's, there's a lot more here. I think sometimes we'll read these verses and just kind of go through it. Okay, give thanks. Let's move on. You know, let's get to chapter two. That's where we hear about Jesus, you know. And and this is really important for us to realize, one, as you said so well, that we need to grow in our relationship with God. And that then, therefore, that helps us grow in our relationship with other Christians. Because when we are yeah. to be approved, what is excellent requires the body of Christ to be there with us to say, oh, by the way, that's not a good idea. <laughs> what you're doing yeah. there and and yeah. and then in the same token same time you know we're preparing for when Christ returns of course to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus i mean this just reminds me of that when you when you're in the word of god when you're in worship with each other you're being filled with this righteousness of our lord jesus who fills us with that grace fills us with that um that uh, or robes of righteousness that we hear about, and 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 it not only is is good for us to know of our identity now as ones forgiven, but it helps us understand that there's always more to learn, and it's not just for knowledge of the head, but for the sake of service and love towards others. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And in the in the family, in the in the you know when you're part of the family of God, and you know like okay, here's. Well, you said, you know, when you were talking about others and the impact of others on us. So sometimes, sometimes people say, well, I study the Bible on my own. Great. I do careful study of the Bible on my own. Great. And you should. Why do I need to interact with other people? Why do I need to be part of a Bible study? Because sometimes in some issues of life, we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. We all have blind spots, you know. Now, sometimes the blind spot 
sometimes the blind spot is when we've been hurt and the blind spot has to do with, you know, you know, maybe not, not giving forgiveness back to the person who hurt us. We're so angry and we're so frustrated by it. And well, they shouldn't have done this, you know? And sometimes, you know, I'm not ready to forgive yet. I don't feel like forgiving. Mm. We were just doing a program last night, a new video cast that we're going to launch uh, on our Facebook page. And, and it comes out in two weeks about forgiveness. And, and remember, you know, listeners, you already know this, but, but let me just remind you of it. Forgiveness isn't a matter of your feeling. It's a mm. matter of your will, of, of, you know, your obedience to what God has done, which is a matter of his grace of knowing, you know, like, like Ephesians, you guys just studied at the end of Ephesians 4, remember? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. And then you could yes, put a little yes. insert to, to say, but what if I don't want to? <laughs> <laughs> just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Oh, mm. there's no choice in it. Right. I must. I must. And, and that, I must. I must. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's, it's very important for us to remember that too. And I think we, I, I know I lose that perspective is that um, those four or five months that we just, I mean, literally I came to church by myself. I went to the altar yeah. by myself. And, yeah. uh, and, and even, even the, the fact that we didn't have communion and you people had to go in front and it was clear that they were together. Okay. These people are with me when I come forward, it was gone. It wasn't even there. And you don't yeah. realize how much you miss that until you're back together and you have those moments where you see how, okay, there's a, there's a body of Christ here. There's a completeness that happens. And there will be a time where people will encourage each other to the point of saying, well, this is how we live. This is what we do. And a lot of times, like you said, not by words, by just your actions. Um, yeah. When you pray, when you worship, how you worship, uh, even how you go out for the communion rail, those kind of things are all witness that show that we're together in this and we get filled with his righteousness. I mean, I mean, we could talk all day about this. This is powerful stuff, yeah. powerful stuff. Other thoughts you have on sometimes, it? Sometimes the blind spot, you know, that we we're talking about a moment ago that we need others in our life to help see. Sometimes the blind spot, you know, cuts close. Sometimes the blind spot cuts close. Like, for example, you know, as a preacher, for for example, you know, I want people to give me feedback. You know, I, I people are free to come up to talk to me afterwards, say, eh, Pastor, I don't know about, you know, you said this here. What, you know, because I need to be ready, you know, to handle the word of truth, right? To say, well, the reason I said that was because of this. And, you know, and now here comes where it cuts close. Sometimes someone will say, yeah, I agree with that, but that's not how it came off. Oh, wow. Uh, thanks. Right. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> you know, which is the, the, the old days. The old days was, that's not how it came off. Well, that's your problem. You're the, hey, don't you know I'm the pastor here? R-E-V in front of my name. That's right. You know? That's right. And, I mean, we could translate that into family, right? You know, like, like you know, as dad, you're a dad. I'm a dad. You know, as parents out there, you know, we we say something or do something that was just maybe not right. But, you know, the old days were, well, it's right because I said it's right. Right. Oh, no. Right. No. You know, and we're sort of like, because the enemy comes and says, you know what, if I show my vulnerability, if I show, you know, when I've when I've been wrong and I admit to it, 
you know, then then that weakness will be capitalized on. And, you know, the, the scripture just throws that just totally the opposite, right? You know, the opposite right. is when I'm weak, you know, because of Christ, I'm strong. And and when I when I show that I'm, you know, when I come before God as a sinful person, ah, that's when I get the grace, you know. When I when I come in, you know, before God and I say, Well, you know what, God, I need a little grace, but I'm better than that guy over in the corner there. <laughs> I'm better than both. You know, the Pharisee and the publican. You know, that's when remember what Jesus said at the end of it, that's when I get nothing, you know. And and, right. and you know, it's that vulnerability to trust that you know, God's grace and his love for us. And sometimes we need other people to help pull off our blind spot. You know, you haven't been talking to your husband very thoughtfully or kindly, or, you know, why are you always beating so-and-so up? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I need you to make me the best me. Right. Iron sharpened iron sharpens iron type of mentality. Um, yes, sir. And at the same, the same time, you know, Jesus, Jesus, it says in second Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so it's a reminder for us too, that we're weak and we're going to need yes. these kind of, this kind of input. And that's a good reminder for me because you're right. There's this part of me that when someone tells me, I'm not so sure if that's exactly what the scriptures say, pastor, or, you know, that didn't come across that way. I'm kind of like, well, that wasn't the best timing. You could have done it later, but you know what? I would have had the same reaction later. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's keep moving forward here. We know we are weak. And, and now he, he talks about that, that as we are weak, filled with the righteousness of Christ, this is what God is doing, and this is good for us in the church to be able to take a step back and see what the Lord is doing, especially right now, COVID. What is God doing in the midst of, quote, the imprisonment that Paul had and for us today as well? So let's read verses 12 through 14. Let's go for it. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that has been become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the gospel's being advanced. So tell, tell us about that, Pastor. Let's walk back into verse 12. Walk back up into verse 12 if your Bibles mm-hmm. are open. Um, one, your the the translation you had was, and I, I want you to focus on two incredible fa- phrases. Your translation said, "What has happened to me?" And the second part of that was advancement of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible I'm looking at says, "My circumstances, same deal. What has happened to me? Mm-hmm. Greater progress of the bo- gospel. Mm. What has happened to me? Advancement of the gospel." Think about those two things about life, and they're going to be the lens that we really go through go through here. These are two tough things. What happens to me? Advancement of the good news of Jesus. Here's the question. Which one wins, and which serves the other? Hmm. Which one wins, 
what has happened to me or the advancement of the gospel, and which serves the other. This is a tough one. It is. about that in the realm of health? What has happened or happening to me? The advancement of the gospel. Which serves the other? Which one wins? You know, we'd like to say, well, the gospel. You know, like I'm thinking about, I remember when I first came to Bethlehem, there was a, 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 a wonderful woman. She wasn't at our church. She was a member at Salem and Blackjack, and she had a beautiful voice. can't remember her name right now, but, I mean, she was the aunt of one of our members. She had a beautiful voice. She got cancer, and she had about a year to live. As she lived out a year, she kept singing as much as she could about Christ, and she she was she was— you know, of course, she mourned, you know, about her earthly life, but she she kept her eyes on the Savior, the advancement of the gospel. You know, it's like in jobs, jobs. Mm. What I'm in, the advancement of the gospel. You know, the job that I'm in, is it about me? Is it about making the most money to get the most toys? And even making the most money. I know a lot of people who make a lot of money, but then a lot of their money goes in the advancement of the gospel. They'll call up mm-hmm. to me and I know other ministries and they'll say, Hey, what does it take for us to be able to do what you were sharing in the meeting, the, this new mission opportunity? Boom, it's there, you know, but which one wins, which one serves, which I'm thinking about here with Paul. It's right mm. here. Hard times. Which one wins? He's in chains, not knowing where, what might happen, okay? But that's not what he focuses on. He spends all these verses from 12 all the way to 18 talking about yeah. the advancement of the gospel. I'm, you know, in verse, verse, verse uh, 12, my circumstances, I don't want to talk about them. They've turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. My imprisonment, it's for the cause of Christ, verse 13. You know, mm-hmm. he's going over back and forth. It's always about the gospel. You know, even even when we talk about, you know, like what we do with the things that we have, you know, the money and what we do with things that we have. I remember an old uh, story, uh, old story about John Wesley, John Wesley. Uh, um, it's told that John Wesley, what he did was he lived from this strategy as far as what he did with his money. He gave away 98 percent of all that he earned and tried to live on just 2%. And mm-hmm. his strategy was sort of like this, gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. <laughs> now, wh- what kind of heart is, is, you know, is that all about? That's a heart controlled by the gospel, right? Right, right. That's a heart that yep. said, you know, my circumstances are here. You know, here's where God's kingdom goes. Now, we've all been, focused on our circumstances at times too much, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's where I need you. I need you. I need my brothers. I need my sisters to say, Hey, God promised to take care of you. And uh, if it's a health circumstance, God promised that this world isn't where it all ends. That like Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies physically, he keeps on living. 
And then one day, you know, our bodies will be raised and be reunited. So God, Lord Jesus has got you covered in that area. Right, right. Don't, don't, don't sit in your circumstance. Don't sit, sit in your circumstance. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Sit with your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And how do we do that? And before we jump past that, how do we do that? You know, it's, it's not said any better than over in 2 Corinthians 5. Most of us have these words memorized. Remember this, verse 14 and 15? Mm-hmm. For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded that one died for all, and therefore all died, and Jesus died for all, so that, here's the so that, we who live now through Christ might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. Man, that's deep. That's right on point. Wow. Absolutely. I guess all I can say to that is amen. <laughs> because, you know, our circumstances often become what we focus our eyes on as opposed to the advancement of the gospel. But when our eyes, and you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus, our circumstances, we know they're always going to change, but the gospel will not. And how does this advance it? For whatever reason, he's in jail and the gospel gets advanced even more. They're more bold to speak it without fear that through it all, God has been at work. How about this, Pastor? We have about four minutes left here. Can we read the last three or four verses here and and wrap it up? Let's do it. Go. Verses 15 through 18. Here we go. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So there's some interesting preaching going on, an interesting motivation. Tell us what's going on here. Well, the, let's start from the end and, and backwards. The end is, it nails it. He says, you know, whether in pretense or in truth, whether, you know, fake preaching or not, I want Christ proclaimed. Mm. So why do we want Christ proclaimed no matter what? Why? Why? You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, especially church leaders, we would get, we would get caught up in the, in the muck of verse 16 and 17 to say, well, the motive was wrong. You know, this was, this, it wasn't the right motive or how it was done. wasn't right. Paul would say, well, well, I want Christ proclaimed. Well, how can you say that Paul? Because he knows that life now and forever is impossible without Jesus. Mm-hmm. We need the mercy of God, which flows from the cross. We need the new life that God gives us through his victory out of the grave. We need the, the, the washing that comes through the cross and resurrection every day to change us and restart us, reset us to be the people God wants us to be. We can't live without it. Mm-hmm. And here's, the, here's the real payoff. Well, just as long as Christ is proclaimed, Paul says, Paul trusts the power of Christ being proclaimed. Paul trusts the power of the gospel. You know, we need to do 
more on that. We need to do that. It's a step of faith to believe that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. We're not, we're not responsible for, for deciding if people are going to come to faith. That's the Holy Spirit's work. What we're responsible is to proclaim Christ. And we believe that the proclamation of Jesus, when we tell the good news of Jesus and his love for us, that the Holy Spirit is is a more powerful force in people's hearts and lives than we could ever be. Mm-hmm. And that's our call. And that's the partnership we're in. And that's the mission that we do together. I can't bring anything more important or powerful to someone's life than to help them know that Christ gave his life for their sins so that they can be right with God today and right with God even on the day when they meet him. There's nothing more powerful or valuable than that. And as Paul says, in that I rejoice. Pastor John Schmicke of Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. Louis, Missouri, helping us to start off on the right foot of Philippians chapter 1 in this reminded by Pastor Schmicke, the depth of God's grace and the reminder that it is only about the gospel. Pastor Schmicke, thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. Saints of our Lord, rejoice. In Christ, you are filled with the fruit of righteousness. To his glory, we proclaim Christ. Maybe it's out of selfish ambition or rivalry or envy. We don't really know, but we rejoice because we know it is Christ who is the one who has saved us and is the power of the Holy Spirit that will bring faith. With everything and in all things, rejoice. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.